And Gail often details uh, the state's spookiest, scariest, and downright strangest reports of haunted places. Legends and stories from Marquette to Detroit fill the pages of Michigan haunts, public places, eerie spaces. Like abandoned lighthouses that still light up, and the Civil War soldiers that still inhabit Fort Wayne. You know what I'm talking about. Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire sat down with the authors to discuss the rich, paranormal history of the Mitten State. Well, we've visited all these places. We haven't been in all the tunnels under some of the sanitariums, but we've actually been to all the places in the book. And we've written a couple previous books, and we learned a lot of good stories along the way. And this is a great opportunity for people to travel around Michigan and discover some of these places on their own. Basically, we we wanted to cover all over the state. And a lot of the books we've done have allowed us to go across, but we were able to uh, include places in the Upper Peninsula, the Lower Peninsula, everywhere from the Thumb to Traverse City and beyond and Mackinac Island. So uh, I think you would call it a uh, a travel book that is a, a guide to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off talking about some of the, the, the places that you guys have, have looked into and written about that are haunted around the state. I want to start off at the New Hudson, the New Hudson Inn. Right. Oh, wow, yeah. And we discovered that when we were doing our Grand River book. You know, it's, it was an old stagecoach stop from 1831, and it pretty much looks like it did back then. It's still standing there. But since we wrote that first book, we found that uh, they discovered – that it was part of the Underground Railroad. They found a secret passageway where they think they slaves were hidden. So it's interesting to think that's a real part of Michigan history as well. And when they did the remodeling inside, they had a lot of ghosts that sort of came out and watched what they were doing. And there's a lot of odd things that happened there, but that's a significant place. And again, that is the, the oldest operating, continuously operating bar in Michigan from 1831. That's yeah. right, yeah, right from the time when when uh, you know the first settlers were coming across the state and staking their claim. Let's bring it a little bit closer uh, to Metro Detroit. The two-way inn on the city's far east side is known as one of the most haunted buildings in the city. Uh, Colonel Philetus Norris was a Civil War soldier, and he was a spy. He even had a horse shot out from under him, and he was one of the first superintendents of Yellowstone Park. But... Uh, The Aganowski family has been in there since the early 60s, and they will tell you all kinds of wonderful stories. I think it began in the early 60s when Mary's mother woke up uh, from a nap, and she said there was a bearded man (laughs) sitting on the bed staring at her. And and they did some research, and they realized that Philetus Norris actually built the place. And uh, he even named that section of Detroit. It's kind of a lost village called Norris. Uh, You know, it's over in um, Mount Elliott and Nevada Street. But the hauntings continue, and they, you know, they're very fond of their ghosts. They, uh, they're they kind of protective of them. They love them, you know. Yeah, there's also supposedly someone in the, the ladies' bathroom right. who shuts the door on you in your face. At that She noticed that when she was still a teenager, but, you know, uh, you'll go to use the ladies' room, and the door will slam shut on you. It'll even force against you, and, and now you'll wait a minute, and then you'll look in, and there's no one in there. That's wild. And what about the Kaju Cafe? The Kaju Cafe is also haunted. That's one of our favorite stories. The owner, his mother passed away many, many years ago, but sometimes when he calls the bar, he'll call and his mother will actually, he'll hear his mother's voice actually answering the the phone, which is really eerie. 
But I, and as I say, here's a guy who even calls his mother, even though she's dead, so he's a very good son. <laughs> but people have seen a lot of things happen there. The bartender one night saw a woman. It was when the bar was closing. She walked across the bar and dissolved into a million colorful pieces and just disappeared. Right. So there's all kinds of haunting there. It's a very active place. What else did you guys discover when you were researching Metro Detroit hauntings? One of the most um, unknown hauntings is the Alhambra, which is near the Little Caesars Arena. Uh, it's boarded up. It's owned by the Illiches. Uh, I hope they won't tear it down, but there's every chance they will. And that was a very fancy apartment building in the 20s. It's on Temple. And there was a uh, cook there named Rose Barron. She was demoted. And so she ba- baked up a batch of biscuits that had arsenic in them right. and fed them to the residents. Two people died. People were poisoned. And it was the trial of the century. This was in 1906. It was like the OJ trial. Right. And somehow her lawyer convinced the jury that it was because of faulty plumbing these people died. And uh, about a, so she was acquitted. And about a month later... Um, her father-in-law died of arsenic poisoning. Uh-oh. So, wow. but she went, went away. And um, but people that pass by the apartment building, if you look up in the windows, you can still see faces in there. People here crying from there. So, there's a place. Next time you're going to a Pistons or Wings game, walk by the Alhambra and see what you can see. Right. Now, as you guys were researching this book, uh, how long did it take? Were people sending you tips or when you told people about how that you were writing this, were they like, hey, you got to check out this place? Well, you know, there was a little of everything. You know, we discovered a lot of these when we were writing our books. We uh, encountered people uh, along the way that knew other people. Uh, also, if you go online, you know, you'll see a lot of tips out there. There are so many ghost investigating groups. There are so many uh, websites dedicated to hauntings. And I think our biggest challenge was to find the places, A, that are public, because these are all public places. We're inviting people to go and check them out. But also, are the stories interesting? Are they compelling stories? And are they uh, are, right. Are they... We like a, we call it diversity of ghosts. We right. have a ghost that's a lion at the Hall Theater. We have a coffee drinking ghost at uh, Greenfield Village. So we wanted to get as many different types of ghosts as possible in as many different places as possible. Exactly. We talk a lot about old spaces being haunted, which people would generally figure since so many things have yeah. happened there. But in the book, are there any newer spaces that you were surprised you'd heard were you know active paranormally? Well, you know, people ask us about it, and uh, and there's no question that places that are newer are haunted, either because of what had been there a long time ago or perhaps what's happening now. And we don't know what a haunting is, but we do know that strange activity occurs, and it occurs just about anywhere. If it, if it can't be explained, we call it paranormal. Um, but most of the places in the book really are older places. And it seems like when people have been living there or they're places of great trauma, prisons, sanitariums. But even the Detroit Public Library, the Skillman branch, that's, was the, that was built over an old jail. Right. And it was the site of the last public execution in Detroit by hanging. After that, they abolished capital punishment. But it's, uh, you know, they still, people in that library still hear chains rattling and they see prisoners going around the library. So it's almost like every – it's not every picture tells a story. It's every old building tells a story, right. and sometimes it's a haunted story. The walls can talk. <laughs> <laughs> so this book is not only about hauntings, but it's a bit of a history book, a bit of a road trip book. Um, and I would also love to talk about, speaking of older places, Fort Wayne. Right. Fort Wayne is a fascinating place. Gail and I have spent a lot of time there. It has been the subject of many ghost investigations. And, of course, they were kind of setting themselves up for it by building it around 13 
uh, Native American burial mounds to begin with. But it was actually built in 1843 during the Patriot War, which is very little known today. But uh, there are just countless episodes of hauntings going on there all the time in the tunnels, in the barracks. They see people in uniform, uh, voices. Uh, It's just a fascinating place. And, you know, they are in need of funding. Uh, I think it's a great idea to to encourage everyone to go and check out Fort Wayne because it's really a place that's worth seeing, a whole family. Speaking of funding, one of our favorite places in the book is in Watersmeet, which is in the UP near Wisconsin. And Ripley's, believe it or not, offered $100,000. It's still on the table to solve the Paulding (laughs) lights, these mysterious lights that appear overhead. The legend, it's a phantom brakeman, but even Scientists from Michigan Tech can't figure it out. The money is still out there, and we tell people, go check it out. If you get the money, share it with us because we told you about That's right. it. But Find your I, We love that there's this mystery that people come from all over the world to try and solve in the UP of Michigan. Yeah, I have seen some of the ghost shows where they go out to try to figure out how the polythene light works. But if I'm wrong, let me know. But it doesn't show up every single night, right? Or is it it's, uh, very It's very tiny? frequently. If it doesn't show up on certain nights, it's, it's kind of unusual. And, and it's so constant that even though Michigan Tech said, well, we think it's a, a form of deflection, an atmospheric uh, uh, product of the area, there's not enough traffic on there for people to accept that as an explanation. So it's hard to say, you know, but it is a fascinating place. It's actually also the only ghost hunting in here that's um, authorized by the National Park Service. Right. It's actually part of the National yeah. Park Service. They have a little okay. Casper on there. There are a lot of places that are well-known that you, you will see on the news sometimes, like the, the uh, old Presqu'ile light near Alpena. It still lights up. It's, it's not commissioned anymore. It shouldn't. There's no reason why it physically should be lighting. It doesn't even have electricity. Right. Yeah, people in the harbor see the light lighting up, even though there's no light in there. So, yeah, yeah so these are familiar to people. You know, mm-hmm. they'll see them on the news. And, yeah. So many stories have come out of, you know, the sailors that have been traveling the Great Lakes for years now. Uh, I want to know about Minnie Quay. Well, Minnie Quay, um, there's actually been songs written about her. She was a, in Forrester, Michigan, which is near Port Huron. She was a girl of 15. Her lover, who was a sailor, was lost at sea. So she walked very slowly off the dock and jumped into the water to her death. People watched her doing it. And it's said to this day, you look out in the shoreline of Lake Huron and you see this girl waving her hands, her long hair flowing, and people claim to see her. Some Someone even drowned by seeing someone and rushing into the water to try and save her. Right. So she's one of those lost legends of Michigan, but she was a real person. Unlike a lot of the legends, you can see her grave, actually, in Forrester. Oh. It's very haunting. Wow. There's a song written about yeah. her? Yeah. Yes, and poems. We like to call her the siren of the salt-free sea. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Where's that at? Where's, near where's Port Huron. It's called Forrester. And the old hotel that we, we have a picture of in our book that she walked past to her death is still there, even though it's from the 1800s. Right. So there's a lot of that still around. A lot of these buildings are still standing and you- telling their stories. You can still see part of the dock she walked off of. The, the parts of the pylons are still there. So we're very close to history, you know, uh, even though it seems remote. It's like this is still, some of this is still here. And even closer to home, Houdini died in Detroit. We have a whole chapter on Houdini, and tomorrow is the anniversary of his death. Halloween 1926 is when he died in Grace Hospital in Detroit. Yeah, he was, uh, his last performance at the Garrick Theater, right, that no, right. is no longer standing, but he was also um, made appearances at the Majestic Theater. Yes, right. which is also another haunted place, a wonderful place, Majestic, and they're restoring their uh, marquee to look like it did back in the turn of the century. But that was one of the places.
places he appeared. He also was in a straitjacket off the Fife Building, right. which was is also standing still on Woodward. So we have like a little Houdini trail, we call it, places Houdini went to. And the fact that he died here and there were seances for 10 years after his death, his wife would come to try and conjure him up. And then she said, 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. And she stopped having seances. Wow. But maybe he'll appear this year. We never know. Wow. In fact, the owner of the Garden Bowl tells us there was a seance last year on John R. to reconjure Houdini. So yeah. again, you know, there's still a lot of things to see that are related to these paranormal activities. Uh, while you guys are writing the book, did either of you have any paranormal experiences? Well, I had one that's uh, kind of interesting. It's a great place out in Jackson, Michigan called the Jackson Antique Mall. And uh, a lot of the clerks there will tell you stories about Blanche, who was the madam of the building when it was a brothel in the 19th century. But uh, I was there with a friend and uh, we were told that Blanche likes to talk to people. And by golly, you know, uh, just as a joke, as we were walking into the basement, I said, how are you doing today, Blanche? And all around us from everywhere, we heard this elder lady's voice say, fine. <laughs> and we just looked at each other. We heard the same thing at the same time. And we were just astounded. Yeah. Oh, my God. John also lived in a haunted house in Dearborn, but it, it's not, you, know, you can't go into that house, so he has a it's lot of It's not public, st- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. <laughs> okay, so if you want to find the book, where can they do that? Well, it's um, at bar- all Barnes & Nobles, and it's online uh, from our publisher, Arcadia, as well as Amazon. And we'd love people to go to our Facebook page, Michigan Haunts Book. And leave a ghost story or tell us a place that we might have missed. We're going to be tonight at the Baldwin uh, Birmingham Library. It's our last Oakland County appearance. And then we're going to be in Ypsilanti next uh, Wednesday the 6th. But go to our Michigan Haunts Facebook page for where we're going to be and tell us a story. believe all ghost stories it's just how i'm built i believe them all every single one perfect stuff for today day before halloween that was gail often and john mylan authors of a new book called michigan haunts public places eerie spaces they spoke with amanda leclaire you can hear more stories of michigan hauntings tonight at the baldwin public library in birmingham